0: up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, everything in between. Welcome back to The Underground, episode 3 of Pop Culture Underground. Unforgiving takes, passionate opinion on all things pop culture. News, reviews, media, and more from a fan just like you. Welcome back to Popsy Underground. I am Jordan. And I would love to welcome any newcomers here. Thank you so much for coming and checking out this podcast. I'm trying to go full-time with this thing, putting everything I got into it. Lots of research, lots of watching, which who can bitch at that, right? Lots of sitting around and lots of good old geekiness. So thank you so much for coming and checking this out. If this is your first time listening, I would really like to thank you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to go rate and review us on iTunes, or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now, but also go check us out and follow us on Twitter at Pop C Underground, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Underground, and send us in an email at PopSeaUnderground at gmail.com. Guys, man, what a freaking week it has been. We just got done with our DC Fandom episode a couple days ago, so if, if you have not Please go check that out, that was a 2 hour special episode, one of the longer episodes we'll ever do here. I spent 8 hours watching that whole entire stream, every minute, 10 pages of notes. It it was just an extravagant, fantastic, geeky, good old weekend. And man, it just, it really brought back the feeling of Comic Con that we have missed for so long. And I just want to once again thank DC for doing that. I know it took a lot of work to put that together And as I mentioned in the two-hour special, I I think they really, really pulled it off. And boy, did we get some goodies, did we not? I still can't get over that Bat Beatdown, man. That Bat Beatdown is playing in my dreams at night. It's almost like a nightmare, but it's not a nightmare because it's so great. It's another dream come true, right? Another Batman movie. And in my opinion, you cannot have enough Batman movies. And oh my god, that Snyder Cut trailer? Woo, baby, did we find out that it's a whole nother movie. It clearly proves it right there. The Gotham Knights reveal. Oh, my, the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. I, I can't get over it. I can't get over it. It was so great. I am still watching those trailers all day, every day. But what have I got for you this episode? Well, let me go ahead and tell you here. On episode three, the topics we are going to be covering is, first off, in DC Weekly... Colin Farrell confirmed as the Penguin in that Batman trailer. I had mentioned it in the DC Fandom special. That is, in fact, Colin Farrell. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, We'll also talk about the Elongated Man plans for Flash Season 7. We've got a detailed look at Kristen Wiig's cheetah through a new statue that was revealed. And also, something I want to touch up on is who is Desad. You guys saw Desaad in the Snyder Cut trailer, so I'd like to tell you a little bit about who that character is. Over in Marvel Weekly, we've got a Marvel Theory for the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness mystery villain, and also a Marvel Theory for Eternals, and how possibly Star Fox could be brought in through Thanos. And over in Pop-C Weekly, Chris Hemsworth being rumored for a lead role in a new Mad Max prequel. Is a new Nintendo Switch model coming next year? And Warzone, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Warzone Zombies Royale leaked. And oh my goodness, I cannot wait because I'm recording this on Tuesday. Tomorrow is Wednesday, August 26th, and we are going to get that Black Ops Cold War reveal finally. Finally, it's going to happen in-game, in Warzone. I will have the details for you here on Pop Culture Underground. Some quick show details. Guys, this is your one-stop shop for Pop Culture Media. I like to do 30 to 45 minute regular episodes, and I'm not always going to give these show details at the beginning of episodes. I'm just going to do it for the first five or 10 episodes or so. That way you can kind of get a feel and understand what you're getting here if this is your first time listening. So 30 to 45 minute regular episodes. Uh, Like I said earlier, I'm trying to go full time here. I do post on Twitter and Facebook all day long. I try to work and research this stuff as much as possible all day long. So please don't forget to go and check that out, as I mentioned earlier before. And I've got some spoil it episodes coming as uh, if you listen to episode zero, you would have found out that we do not spoil anything on this show on the regular episodes. If I'm going to spoil anything at all, it will be in an episode titled spoil it and then whatever the content is. So got one of those coming pretty soon. Uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow DC animated film came out this Sunday. I'm going to sit down and watch that tonight. So hopefully I will have that for you very soon. And uh, let's go ahead and get on with it. So, let's hit up DC Weekly. First up in DC Weekly this episode, a question that we all had was officially confirmed and answered. In the wake of the Batman trailer's release, social media was set ablaze with discussion on whether one character in particular a very plump-faced balding man bearing a distinct resemblance to Richard Kind, was actually Colin Farrell in heavy prosthetics. He certainly had the features associated with the penguin, and if you think about it, what Matt Reeves suggested that penguin is an insulting nickname that he hates could imply that he's called the penguin because his face looks like a penguin with the very thin, long, extravagant nose and other features that maybe weren't made very prominent in this trailer that he very well could have. So, we were all wondering this, and Twitter and the internet was set ablaze after the trailer came out, people asking, is this Colin Farrell? Well, we now have an answer. Uh, Michael Marino, who is the prosthetic makeup designer for the Batman, seemingly confirmed this for us through his Instagram page. And man, what a transformation this is. As I said, When I first watched the trailer, I I did not realize that that was Colin Farrell there. I mean, this is one of the greatest transformations I've ever seen, right up there with Gary Oldman's transformation into Winston Churchill. I mean, that was a great transformation. This is right up there with that. This is some incredible, incredible, incredible prosthetic work. Next up here in DC Weekly, we finally have some plans for The Flash Season 7 and what they are going to do with Ralph Dibney, a.k.a. The Elongated Man. So instead of writing him out right away, they are just going to recast him. Hartley Sawyer was fired off of The Flash earlier this year for racist tweets and comments that have re-emerged over the past few years. And uh, they they did not waste any time. They just went ahead and fired him right away. They weren't messing with it. They weren't having any of that stuff. And that's great to see. And and I don't think this was anything like when James Gunn had some tweets that reemerged that totally fit the bill for what he was when he tweeted them there. What uh, Hartley Sawyer tweeted does not fit the bill for anyone, should not fit the bill for anyone. It was unacceptable and his firing, I think, got a lot of, uh, a lot of. I don't know if I would really want to call it a celebration, but a lot of people were happy that they did just go ahead and fire him and put their foot down and said, we will not stand for this in any kind of way. And they're going to go ahead and recast him. They, they did not mention this at DC Fandom, and I was surprised, but uh, they are going to do it now. Eric Wallace, showrunner for The Flash, he says, quote, in order to wrap that up, which we're going to do at the top of Season 7, Ralph has to be part of that. Now, thank goodness, Ralph is a guy who can change faces in his appearance in many ways. Without giving any spoilers away, there are a couple of ways that we can have Elongated Man still appear in at least one episode this season to wrap that storyline up. That gets us what we need and still allow fans to say goodbye to the character, at least for the indefinite future. So what it sounds like here is that they're going to recast him with somebody else. That way he can do one more episode and then they can go ahead and get rid of Elongated Man in, a, in a, good, a good way that fits with the story a little bit more than if they were to just write him out right away. Wonder Woman 1984 villain Cheetah was finally revealed to the world through a new WW84 trailer at DC Fandom, the fantabulous DC Fandom, I might add. I still got to keep saying that because it was so cool to have that. We needed it so much. Uh, The trailer was great. If you want to hear more views on my thoughts of that trailer, you can do so on the DC Fandom 2 hours special and the Cheetah reveal. So I thought the Cheetah reveal uh, went pretty good. Now, I think it makes a lot of sense that her reveal happened in a very dark moment and and who knows she might just be in the dark like the literal dark nighttime because it's a lot easier to do CGI and VFX for a character when they're in the dark because not so much light is exposing all the negatives and maybe the things that you couldn't get done in time or the things that you just flat out ignored when creating the CGI and VFX for per said character. Now we did get a couple screenshots and a couple looks during the trailer but like I said it was dark it was nighttime it was very fast All the screenshots are a little blurry that you see from here on out. I don't, as of this time, they have not revealed any kind of promotional material featuring Cheetah. So we haven't seen, uh, you know, really good details of Cheetah's final form uh, through that way. But the best way, as of the time of this podcast, that we have seen Cheetah in the most detailed look is through Iron Studios' new Cheetah Wonder Woman 1984 statue. So if you take a look at it, you can do so on my Twitter or Facebook page, or you can just Google it. If you take a look at it, the first thing that really stood out to me was the face and the black marks on the face. See, I think they took heavy inspiration for this Cheetah from Injustice 2. And I I think that's a good thing because I I like the way Injustice 2 Cheetah looks. Now, she doesn't have clothes, of course, like the Injustice Cheetah does. But the hairstyle, the body style, a lot of it is very, very much from Injustice 2 Cheetah. So that's really cool. But my favorite part about this statue, and this may sound weird, but it's the hands. Those look like lion, cheetah, big cat hands and the claws. I thought they looked really prominent. I thought they looked very accurate. I thought they are a great hybrid of human hands and cheetah hands. Like, I guess if you want to say that. But I, I thought the hands really stood out to me. They really did. I think that they struck a very good balance between a cat's character and, you know, like the movie cats from the cat's character and the comic cheetah that we all know and love. I also love the fur. The fur is a little bit longer and a little bit more detailed than you see on the Injustice 2 cheetah, per se. And there's also a little bit more whiteness to her, like on her face. It's a lot more pale, and her hair actually looks a little white on the slick-backed parts that are underneath the the main, (laughs) the main mane, I'm going to say here. That was a terrible, terrible dad joke there. But the statue itself looks great. I was expecting this statue to be like $300, but no, it is going to retail at $129.99 from Iron Studios. Th- that's great. That's a great price. I think this is a great statue for that. It's got an awesome base with it. Uh, and if you guys know me at all, you know I am a huge collector. But the base itself, she's standing on what looks like some rocks, some broken wood, some uh, you know some tree leaves. Uh, but it's a really detailed base as well. And I love how the feet. The, the feet are straight up from a cheetah. I mean, it doesn't look like there's any human influence in those at all. I love the extended heel. I mean, it just. I I think this is a perfect blend of cheetah and human if if there is such a thing. But if there is a thing, it's here. I think if there's one complaint I have, it's that... I don't even know if it can be a complaint, though, because it's actually the face. I'm not totally sold on the face because it looks so terrifying and so sinister. But she's a terrifying, sinister villain. So you can't really complain about that. I think overall, the tail looks good. The fur looks good. The cheetah spots, even the, even though it was a complaint, I think the face is fine. The teeth, you know, the teeth look gnarly as hell. I, I think it's a great, a great balance between cheetah and human, and I am even that more excited to see it when Wonder Woman 1984 comes out in theaters this October. And last up for DC Weekly this episode, who is Desaad? So if you guys watched The Snyder Cut trailer, which you definitely should have, you may have been surprised and excited to see that there were some new characters. One of these characters in particular is Dasad. He is the one that was cloaked and hooded, the cloaked and hooded alien per se, who is undoubtedly one of the bad guys, one of the bigger bad guys in this movie. I'm assuming it's going to be Darkseid, Darkseid, Steppenwolf, and Dasad. Dasad is one of the worst villains on the planet of Apocalypse. And if you don't know who Desaad is, I very much compare him to Starscream from Transformers because he is basically, for Darkseid, what Starscream is to Megatron. And so he was played by actor Peter Guinness, and the character was ultimately removed from the current cut of the film, obviously, but is now returning for the Snyder Cut. Here are some origins for Desaad. So Desaad is the high priest of torture on Apocalypse. He leads the Parademon armies as one of Darkseid's top lieutenants alongside Steppenwolf. Desaad is just as important to the progression of Darkseid's cause, serving as Darkseid's right-hand man even since the beginning of his rise to power. Now originally, Desaad was a young boy who was corrupted to evil by Darkseid. Ever since his manipulation from Darkseid, Desaad almost never left his new master's side. While he's very cowardly, Desaad is clever and cunning, he creates weapons of untold destruction for his master's forces, and he tortures enemies and prisoners in their hellish realm. While he originally carried the appearance of a human, Desaad's appearance and powers changed after the DC Comics publishing reboot known as the New 52. So did pretty much all of DC's characters in the New 52, <laughs> uh, Dasad became much more alien and monstrous in his visage after the New 52. First being seen experimenting on a captured Superman during Dark, si- Dark Side's first. Why can I not say that today? During Dark Side's first invasion, however. His hopes to clone and use Superman's Kryptonian DNA to create an unstoppable force of parademon hybrids were dashed when Batman rescued the Man of Steel. You know, that kind of reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you guys watched, but a Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, it reminds me a lot about those parademon doomsday hybrids that were in that movie. So, except here, Dasad was trying to make a parademon Superman hybrid, so I don't think that's going to be part of the Snyder Cut story. Uh, But hey, I I would not I I would not be surprised of anything in that movie anymore, considering how much was cut from that movie. It's just insane. So seeing uh, Dasad here is pretty cool. And I think it's really cool in this new cut that we're going to be getting new characters, new character arcs and things like this. And Desaad has a, a really interesting background. And going back to his origin and his uh, interpretation in the New 52, in the New 52, he actually gained a whole new array of powers. He gained enhanced strength. He became invulnerable. He also got unnaturally long life as a new god. Yes, he was a new god in this iteration. He also gained power from the pain of others. Making him the perfect interrogator and torturer. So it'll be really interesting to see what Dasad's role will be in the upcoming Snyder Cut on HBO Max. And uh, if one were to hazard a guess, he will probably be doing something along the lines of fielding reports from Steppenwolf on Earth from the safety of Apocalypse, informing Darkseid of his general's progress. That right there comes straight from Screen Rant. I would agree with that. I think that would be, I think that would be a role for him. That would make a lot of sense in the Snyder Cut. I seriously doubt we're going to get a whole lot of Dessaud if they were able to cut him out completely of the original cut. Uh, I cannot see him having a very prominent role. But if you guys did not know who Dessaud was, do not be ashamed because he is more of a B or C list character from the DC Vault, and not a lot of people know him, uh, including me. I was not very well. Uh, associated with this odd until I went back and uh, read some of those comics here over the last weekend after I saw DC fandom and realized he was going to be in this cut so I tried to dig in and learn a little bit more about him and that will wrap up DC weekly for this episode so it is time for Marvel weekly marvel weekly does not bear that much fruit as most of you know marvel is not really releasing very much nowadays i saw a hilarious tweet from brian from pop culture leftovers great show by the way inspiration for me to start podcasting one of the main ones was pop culture leftovers in fact the very first podcast i ever did was second rate superfans with brian and a couple of other uh pop culture leftover listeners And I had the time of my life, and that is what really got me to want to podcast. So go check that out. But the funny tweet that I saw from Brian on Pop Culture Leftovers was, it it, it had had a picture of a stick figure poking a dead body. And you've seen this meme many times. But it said, Marvel fans after DC Fandom. And it's poking the body, and it's like, come on, do something. And come on, Marvel, do something. We're, We're begging you. We got all the stuff from DC. It's time for you to react and answer. Come on now, guy. We need something from you guys. We need something. I can't sit over here and do Marvel theories, you know, for a million years over here. So come on, come on, make my podcast better, please. Come on, Marvel. Come on. So anyways, what I got here is a theory for Doctor Strange 2. Now, it's already been confirmed that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness includes a mystery guest character. Could this person be the iconic Marvel villain, Dr. Doom? As it is now possible for Marvel to use this character after acquiring the rights to Fox and all the characters that came with that. Here's why it would make a lot of sense. First off, Dr. Doom, he is obsessed with magic. And he is also one of Marvel's greatest scientists. He's in the same category as Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, Hank Pym. But what sets him apart from them is that doom doesn't just invest his time and energy into science he also has a huge obsession with the mystical arts and i don't know if you guys or uh, read if you guys read comics at all but if you read the infamous iron man run uh, a little while back dr doom became iron man in that run and he had this awesome doom armor in fact walgreens did it uh, an exclusive figure of him i've got it hanging on my wall over here the cool thing about his iron man was that, first off, the armor was absolutely incredible, he had the cool green hood and everything, but it still looked like Iron Man, but see, he had Iron Man powers, and he had magical powers too, and that made him absolutely unstoppable, and then, you know, he ends up fixing his face and whatnot later on in in the arc, and later on in, in his whole Marvel career that's going on right now, And and I'm not sure I like that. I I always liked the aspect that we never saw his face because it was just so mangled, so messed up. It was something that he could never cure, even though he was the greatest scientist and one of the greatest sorcerers around, he could never cure his face. And and I thought that was a really cool aspect to him. So when they fixed that, I was kind of like, yeah, I I, I don't know. But going back to this here, he's a great scientist and an even better sorcerer. So first off, that alone qualifies him to be a mystery villain here. And, and what a better time for them to put in a Fox character. I mean, it's been, I mean, it hasn't, I don't think it's been quite a year since they acquired Fox or wait, no, it has been, I guess, depending on what date you go by. But yeah, I guess it would have been a, a year back in March. Interesting. But since then, they haven't really given us an actual official look at what they're going to do with any of the characters that they acquired. Well, I think this would be a really good stepping stone and starting place for them to do that and start to lay the groundwork for that because he fits in this movie. And and I think if you introduce Doom, you could then, you know, branch off of him and go into more of the X-Men and Fantastic Four. I mean, that's just one way you could do it. There's a million other ways. But the point I'm trying to make here is I think Dr. Doom would be a perfect villain because of his connections to Scarlet Witch as well. I mean that may actually be the number one reason he would be the best villain here to fit this mystery villain bill. I mean, he has extreme interest in Scarlet Witch and remember Scarlet Witch is going to be right alongside Doctor Strange in this movie. So he has extreme interest in her, he's a great sorcerer, and I think it would make a great plot line to bring him in because of his interest in Scarlet Witch and her powers. I mean, he's always been interested in her in many comic iterations. And Doom may, in this movie, recognize Scarlet Witch's potential and determine that her reality warping abilities could be used to change the world to suit his plans. If so, Doctor Doom could paint a target on Wanda's back and have her pursued by his minions. And that would just probably be one aspect of this. And and remember, this is the multiverse of madness, so this would be another good way for them to introduce mutants, Doctor Doom, the Fantastic Four, all that bring them in from another part of the multiverse. So this all makes total sense, and I would not be surprised at all to see him be the villain of this movie. In fact, I think that would make me happier than ever. Doctor Doom is one of my all-time favorite villains. I think he is the coolest-looking villain. I think he's one of the smartest, most powerful villains. I just think it would be great if he was involved. And, you know, you could still avoid putting him in direct conflict with any of the other main characters and save him to be the main villain in the Fantastic Four movie that's inevitably going to happen. So many possibilities here, many more I could talk about, but we got to get this train and moving. Last thing I want to talk about here in Marvel Weekly is an internals theory that I have, and its it's going to be a very quick one. So the main point I want to get across here is Marvel is going to have a name recognition problem with the Eternals. They are not very well known. They were never a really big, big comic. I mean, I guess they had a a decent following, but they were never a massive comic by any means. And so they're going to have this recognition problem. Now, one way that they could remedy this is that they could build on the relationship between the Eternals and one of Marvel's biggest characters, Thanos. Now don't get me wrong, I do believe Marvel wants to be done with Thanos going forward in the current MCU, but that does not mean that they can't use him in flashbacks to help tie other characters together with something that you already know quite well, and it would be another way that they could possibly bring in Star Fox, who is Thanos' brother. So going back to Iron Man number 55, which was the same comic that gave the world Thanos' also introduced his brother, Eros. Now, both characters are members of the Eternals, though neither are associated with the Earth-born Eternals that the movie will be centered on. Instead, they are from the Titanian branch of Eternals. Thousands of years ago, a character named named Alars left Earth with some of the Eternals and formed his own colony on Saturn's moon, Titan. While there, Alars fathered the cruel and death-obsessed Thanos, and the fun loving Arrows. Now, while the two share the same parents, they couldn't be more different in terms of both their personalities and their looks, and that's because the Titanian Eternals are normally human in appearance, although Thanos has a genetic genetic deviant defect. Unlike other members of his species, Thanos possesses the deviant gene. Now they could also work this into the movie as well, as I'm sure I'm sure they're going to, the deviants are gonna be part of this movie. Now, after growing into adulthood, Thanos turned against his people, whereas Eros stood alongside his father in opposing Thanos. So this could be a way right here that they could use it so they could do flashbacks to kind of help us more understand, uh, you know, why the Eternals are on Titan because these are the Earthborn ones. Why are they there? This could give them another reason to get into the MCU as a whole. You know, maybe after they see Thanos' actions and they realize that the Avengers helped save all that and reverse that. You know, maybe they want to go thank them or they feel like the Avengers and Earth now need the Eternals' help. And, you know, I think Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox, would be a great addition to Avengers 5, the new movie coming out. And a way that you can introduce them would be through flashbacks through Thanos. You could even get a whole opening scene of Thanos and maybe in this world, maybe Thanos leads the Deviants. I I don't know if they could work that, but maybe in this movie, that's how you get introduced. You get a war between Thanos and his Eternals versus the Earthborn Eternals that eventually went to Titan. I mean, there's so many ways you could work that, but Eros could betray Thanos and join the Eternals as we know them, the Earthborn ones. And then eventually, you know, he could end up coming up later on in the movie or he could end up joining the Avengers 5. There's so many different possibilities, but that was just something I was thinking about after reading a screen rant article. And I thought it would be very interesting to share because I think that would be really cool. I think that would be really, really cool. All right, that's it for Marvel Weekly. Let's hit up Pop C Weekly, Pop Culture Weekly. <laughs> Alright, kicking off C Weekly here, it's been 5 years since Furiosa first appeared in Mad Max Fury Road, and the spin-off that was announced a while back is still far from rolling cameras. Now, we do not know all too much about this project at this point, however, we do know that it's set to be a prequel prior to the events of Fury Road, and it will not be starring Charlie's Theron in the lead role. According to George Miller, he had said, For the longest time, I thought we could just use CGD aging on Charlie's, but I do not think we're nearly there yet. Despite the valiant attempts on the Irishman, I think there's still an uncanny valley. Everyone is on the verge of solving it, particular Japanese video game designers, but there's still a pretty wide valley, I believe. So, that is really unfortunate, especially when earlier this year, you know, Theron had praised Miller's work on Fury Road. He revealed that it was her idea, actually, to shave Furiosa's head for the character's now iconic look. And she just talked about how he trusted her so much that it makes her very emotional. And so, that's really unfortunate that she's not going to be able to star in this prequel that stars her character that she played. So, they're probably going to have to recast and get a younger Uh, Furiosa unless they do figure it out and she ends up joining back to the movie and de-aging but at the time of of this that I'm reading uh, it looks like she is out now they are eyeing somebody and there is a big rumor that Chris Hemsworth is being eyed for the lead role as a character named Dementus man this is kind of surprising I didn't think they would do a guy for the lead role now, earlier this year, casting details did surface hinting at a character named Dementus, and it called him a breathtakingly handsome lead with an angel's face scarred by a deep forehead wound stitched together with shiny chrome staples. So, now, according to the scoopers over at the Illuminati, Chris Hemsworth is being eyed by the studio for the role of Dementus. Now it's important to note that the latest report says that the Thor Star has not officially signed on the project. Warner Brothers is reportedly very interested in getting the actor on board, though. That would be great. I think you would bring a lot I think he would bring a ton of star power to a Mad Max prequel. Uh, even though it may not need it, Mad Max Fury Road was so good that I think uh, even more people now are familiar with the Mad Max name. Uh, but it would still bring a ton of star power to it, and that would make for a very interesting lead role. I, I mean, go back to that description. A what did that say again? A breathtakingly handsome lead with an angel's face. I, is that not Chris Hemsworth? I mean, is that is that not Thor himself right there in that description? So this makes a ton of sense. We'll have to see if it actually happens. Two more stories here to wrap this episode up. First off, a report suggests that a new Nintendo Switch model is launching in 2021, which of course, kickstarted more rumors about a possible Nintendo Switch Pro once more. Now, speculation about a Nintendo Switch Pro model has existed for over a year at this point, so this is really no surprise, but several previous reports that hinted at the possibility of a Switch Pro model uh, were essentially shut down, uh, for the most part, at least for this year. Now, the Pro hardware would basically be a premium version of the base Nintendo Switch, which would include better resolution, better performance, at the cost of, of course, a higher price. Rumors of a more powerful Nintendo Switch model began picking up steam in 2019, while in 2020 an April firmware update was flagged for introducing a new reference to an unannounced version of the Switch. Now, according to a new report from Economic Daily News, translated by VGC because it is a newspaper from overseas... A new Nintendo Switch model will enter production later in 2020, with a launch planned as early as the first fiscal quarter of 2021. The translated article also makes reference to upgrades to both interactivity and display quality in the rumored model, though it does not offer specifics for how that might be achieved or what an improvement might look like, in terms of hardware performance. Now, as of this writing, Nintendo has not confirmed or denied the rumor, which has now, of course, begun to be circulated more widely. Now, it's important to keep in mind that rumors of a new Switch model, and specifically the Nintendo Switch Pro, have persisted for a long time, as I was saying, so a new report does not necessarily confirm its existence. It also neatly fits into what Nintendo previously stated about its Switch plans, as the company did state earlier this year that it had no plans for a new Nintendo Switch model in 2020, which I was mentioning earlier. That Those were the shots that were shot down, or uh, the rumors that were shot down for 2020 at least. Now, the company did not say, however, that it had no plans to begin Production of a new Switch model in 2020. And given the predicted extended lifespan of the Switch, it would make sense to have more models available sooner rather than later. I think it's coming for sure. 2021 makes a ton of sense. They had a lot of production problems this year with Switches. Remember, you couldn't get one for a couple months. That has now been resolved. And I think now they're, things are kind of getting back to normal production wise. I don't think they can do as much as they used to be able to uh, on a large scale basis, but it it does make sense that they could at least start uh, some production for this new Switch Pro model because I'm telling you, it is coming. Last up here, we have a massive Call of Duty Warzone leak. So earlier this morning, via the PS4 and Xbox One and PC, there was an update for the game uh, which was actually season 5 reloaded, which added a lot of cool stuff. But in this update, Infinity Ward and Activision added a slab of new files to the game, which were promptly data mined, as normal these days, by various Call of Duty data miners and leakers. And while the update itself wasn't very exciting in the long run, the files hidden within have been a goldmine of information. Now, unfortunately for Infinity Ward and Activision, the files have spoiled what's about to happen to the free-to-play Battle Royale game. Now, that said, a lot of it, such as zombies, a night mode, and a new map we already knew about thanks to previous rumors and leaks. And remember, you gotta take all of this with a grain of salt. But this is what was revealed. A night mode is probably being added. There will be a new map, which will keep the bunkers and gulag, but otherwise will be completely different than the current map with a Cold War theme. One of these new locations in the map will be a vast subway system. Zombies are coming, though it's unclear if this will be in a separate mode or be added to the core experience as well. Here is a description of the experience. Zombies Royale. Be the last team with a human alive to win. Players turn into zombies on death but can become human again by consuming fallen players' hearts. That sounds awesome. Farah Kareem will be added as an operator. You will need to complete an in-game mission to see the Black Ops Cold War revealed this Wednesday. And the following modes have also leaked: pandemic slash outbreak, fitting. Armored cargo slash truck wars, that would be awesome. Plunder, fire sale and the aforementioned zombie royale. Remember, take everything with a grain of salt. Nothing here is official. And even if it is all correct, it's always subject to change. That being said, everything here comes from the game's files themselves. Data mining leaks are typically quite reliable, though they can sometimes lead to false conclusions and misinformation. But I would say a good portion of this is coming for sure. And man, it sounds awesome. They they just keep killing it with Warzone. They're doing so good with Warzone, and let that be a reminder that tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Tuesday will be the call of duty black ops, cold war reveal. And I will have those details for you right here on pop culture underground guys. Thank you once again for listening. I always, always appreciate it. I can never thank you guys enough for supporting this show. It's just great to be back. It's great to be on the mic again. It's great to be hearing from people again. And I just, I just appreciate it so, so much. So if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, get the word out. I'm a new show. I got to get the word out. Got to let people know I'm back. Got to let people know what they can get here. I'm doing two to three episodes a week. Probably, it looks like three. I'm I'm going at a faster rate than I thought I would be, but we'll see if that keeps up or not. I'm going to at least commit to two, at least two for sure, uh, but probably three. Just got to see what we got going here, but... Always remember to save that world one podcast at a time. Check out the show notes for details on how you can help support the show, follow the show, and get the word out. I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much yet again, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Later.